We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson. And joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. And dude, holy cow, what a huge win for the Denver Broncos Monday night football against the Buffalo Bills traveling across the East Coast. It's the first time they've won on Monday night football in Buffalo since like 1987. The first time they've won against the Bills in Buffalo since 2007 on an eerily similar situation with the hurricane made a Toro Toro rush the field goal unit on and kick it a last second field goal. We got to play out the exact same way, but huge win Broncos are four and five. How are you doing today, Eric? Well, I'm doing good, you know, getting everything ready for Thanksgiving, which I hope everybody joins it as much as I hate the holiday. Um, you know, still a big thing in my family. Ooh. We still use we still use it as a family get together, and it's not that I hate the holiday. I am not a turkey fan whatsoever. But last year we did prime rib. We're doing prime rib this year. We're adding a ham at, as well with the turkey. So going all out here, just went and got a bunch of stuff for that. But anyways, as for the game, you know I said it last week. I'm not going to back off on it. This team can very well be a playoff team, like with how the yes. defense is playing, with how. Things can be better with the offense, but with how they're doing it, it's all working and clicking. There's going to be, you know, issues if the defense starts to fall apart because you got to find more consistency from the offense, um, especially with the passing game. But it's all starting to gel. We're starting to see improvements on the offense in this in certain areas. Uh, more efficiency from the run game can also help. They've been under four yards per rush attempt in the, over both last two wins, but a win is a win. Um, taking the ball away as often as they have the last two games, getting those extra possessions. That's great. You know, but one thing, if you're going to get those extra possessions, you got to score off of them. You typically always want at least three points for it off of them. The Broncos had four takeaways against the bills and walked away with six points. That is a little mm -hmm. bit disheartening. Um, but this team, especially if they can just get everything together on offense, they can make the playoffs. And I don't want to say they'll make a Super Bowl run, but they could, they could do something in the playoffs. Like if they can yeah. get everything going on offense together. 
Yeah, and I think the one thing that we we really need to talk about is something I talked about uh, over the last handful of weeks, specifically in regards to Russell Wilson. I'm not going to go there with with this particular conversation, but I I think that overall this team is learning how to find ways to win games. And it, it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's offensively, whether it's defensively, whether it's on special teams with with Marvin Mims and his kick kick and punt returns. His contributions on special teams have been absolutely incredible. Uh, the the turnovers, like you like you said, they're they're they've got what I think four interceptions or five interceptions and and four fumble recoveries over the last two games. Uh, they also had another big time interception to close out the game against the Green Bay Packers with PJ Locke coming all the way across the field the way that he did. This team is starting to play very opportunistically, and while we want to see a little bit more growth with the offense. This defense is starting to hit on all cylinders. And while I don't say that you need to apologize to Vance Joseph for what happened earlier in this in this football season, I do think we really need to give him his flowers because this guy is dialing up the right pressures. He's dialing up the right coverages. He has this defense humming on all cylinders, and it is so incredible to watch. They've improved dramatically against the run game, and it, it, this team is going to be so much more fun to cover. They're going to be so much more fun to watch, especially if they can continue to play at this level, Eric. It's so much fun to be a Broncos fan right now. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I, I know you and I both, we really went hard in on Vance Joseph to start the season, um, yep. and rightfully so. I mean, he was coaching an unfamiliar defense, calling plays that were very clearly not by his design. And part of that, as we talked about then, part of that falls on Sean Payton of hiring a guy to coach a defense he isn't familiar with, but mm -hmm. they've loosened up a little bit. They're going back to what he knows, what he knows, what he does, what he's coached before. Um, getting Baron Browning out there on the field is helping their pass rush. All these things are going together. And, but one of the biggest things to me is just how simplified they are. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say they're doing so much better against the run. I mean, even if you take away week that week three game against Miami, they are still a bottom five in the NFL in rushing defense. Oh no, they are still, right. they are still a really bad unit. Um, but they're still showing signs of improvement because of how simplified mm -hmm. things they are, even though they got gashed multiple times by Latavius Murray and um, Cook by, against the Bills on Monday night. Things are simplified. They're not mm -hmm. asking them to read too much. They're not asking them to do too much. It's a lot more see ball, get ball, and it's working. That's why we're having a, being having a little bit better with the stops. They'll still have those big plays they allow. Even great run defenses have those few plays they do, but they mm -hmm. are being a little bit more consistent. Or no, consistent is not the right word. Um, they are having a few more stops behind them to, you know, it's not just constantly three, four yard rushes. They're getting those two, three yard loss runs as mm -hmm. well, kind of balancing it out a little bit. Yeah. Still room for more consistency with this defense as well between the 20s. Um, can't always rely on turnovers um, because, you know, back-to-back -back games with four or more turnovers, first time it's happened since 1998. That is not a reliable way to win, so you got to find more consistency between the 20s. But one thing that you said is was just spot on. This team has found ways to win. They are finding ways to, you know, in the thick of it, to basically just go out there and get it done. Mm -hmm. uh, both on offense and on defense, um, mm -hmm. coming away with that key turnover, you know, to close out the game against the Packers, getting yep. those key, you know, key first downs and and yards to put them in field goal range. 
things like that. They have found ways to win. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's something that we haven't seen from this Broncos team in the last, what, seven years or so. It's it, It's been since 2015. I guess we can, we can call 2016 one of those, that last winning season that the Broncos have had, 2016. They did find multiple different ways to win games, especially defensively, coming off of that Super Bowl 50 victory. But at the same time, what you're seeing now is it's not just the defense holding their own weight. The offense is coming away with timely drives. They're, they're, they are sustaining long possessions. They're holding on to the football. The Broncos did something boosted by the defense, by all the, a, a million percent boosted by the defense against the Buffalo Bills. Offensively, they held the football for 37 minutes and 21 seconds. That is a ridiculous amount of time to be holding the football more than your opponent. You're putting so much pressure on, on the Bills to be able to, and granted, the Bills did have those long drives, but the Broncos did enough in the, the, the opportunities that they did have to hold the football to come away with those timely key possessions, create enough big plays offensively. Whether it looked pretty or not, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you walked away with a win in Buffalo to get your team one more win closer to 500. And like you and I talked about last week at the end of the show, if they can find a way to win Buffalo, there is an opportunity here for this team to come away and become a playoff team, and I'm here for it. Yeah, there's a couple points you want to you made that I want to touch on here um, before we get to the Viking games. But first, we got to sit there and we got to talk to you all about Little Caesars. Now, Little Caesars is the official sponsor of the NFL, the official pizza sponsor. So you need should be making it part of your game day. Pizza, you know, it's just such an iconic food for you know game nights, sporting events, like just sitting down on Sunday, being able to have that pizza in front of you, that warm, cheesy, gooey slice, and eat that while you're watching your favorite team, hopefully walk away with the win like we did with the Broncos this last couple weeks. Mm -hmm. It's just something that you, that it's just that iconic part of a Sunday, you know, Sunday afternoon meal or whatever for game days. So order online during our pizza pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sundays and get ready for some football and fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I love Little Caesars Pizza. It's been a while since I've got some, but they're they're great, man. The $5 takeouts, they're, they're so quick. They're so easy. They're so convenient. You get the pepperoni, you get the cheese, you get the sausage. You can pick your own favorites or the toppings you crave. Either way, guys, you win. My biggest favorite, though, is the deep, deep dish pizza. I love that thing. It's super saucy, super cheesy, super gooey. I love the pepperoni pizza. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my family's favorites, and we like to get that as often as we possibly can. Uh, we need to do that here soon. Uh, speaking of winning, guys, everyone scores with convenient delivery or in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game this Sunday evening. Again, super convenient, super easy. One of the best foods that you can have on a Sunday of watching football. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, Eric, Now, go ahead and pick, pick apart my points. Go ahead. No, actually, it was something that you wanted to, uh, that I just wanted to add on about the Bills and how long the Broncos had the ball in it. It definitely helps when the Bills have four possessions and two of them are six are a total of 16 seconds, eight seconds each play because of takeaways. They had four mm-hmm. possessions that totaled under two minutes of total of time off the clock, including one of them being a turnover on downs. So four mm-hmm. downs all under two minutes. That def- that that is a huge help. For mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. keeping it that keeping it going. Now, looking ahead to this Minnesota Vikings team, we all we were able to always you know acknowledge that there were issues with the Bills defense. There, there's issues with all these defenses that they've played. There's ways for the Broncos to win. There's ways for them to win and move the ball effectively against the you know this Vikings defense. But there is a problem because they have the Broncos are one of the worst teams facing blitzes. Mm-hmm. And Brian Flores and the Vikings blitz 49% of the time. By far, by far the most in the league. I think the, the closest next behind that is like 42%. Like that, and I, 42 I or 44, yeah, yeah, it's something like that. And I can't remember the stat off the top of my head. I heard it earlier today. Um, I wish I was a little bit more prepared for that particular statement, but that was something I wanted to bring to the show. Was 49% of the time, half of the time, you're bringing blitzes, extra rushers. And Eric, I want to argue some semantics about blitzing here in a minute. But first, we got to grab Phil McLaughlin. Good evening, Lance and Eric and Deacon Scott. No Scott tonight, guys. Uh, we're running this show a little bit solo. So if we miss anything on the Facebook Stars donations, we do apologize for that. We'll grab as many Facebook comments as we possibly can, give you guys a shout out. But no Scott tonight to help us out on that aspect. Regardless, Phil jumps in saying, guys, uh, Javante Williams was going to get 100 rushing yards. Uh, Russell Wilson is going to get 200 plus passing. Hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life, hashtag Go Broncos. Um, This is a perfect segue into into your points here because this Vikings defense, while they're not tremendous in any area other than blitzing, they're good against the run, they're good against the pass. They're they're one of the best defenses in the NFL this year. They're they're a good defense. Yeah, they're top 10 in both in EPA. Oh, okay. So I, I'm talking about uh, yards yards per play. They're uh, I think they're 12th, I think, in yards per rush and 13th or 14th in in the NFL in, in yards per play against the pass. Uh, they're opportunistic, and a big part of that is because Brian Flores, like we just th- got done talking about, they blitz 49% of the time. And Eric, you and I have gone back and forth on this point uh, for multiple different arguments, uh, whether privately or even on this show. What do you constitute as a blitz? Technically, a blitz is anything with more than four rushers. That is right. that is the definition of it used by NFL standards, by statisticians, by everyone that does anything with football. It is a fifth or more rushers, or five or more rushers. That is a blitz. Okay. 
So I heard an interesting conversation. Uh, this is a, a big shout out here to the guys over at KOA, uh, Ryan Edwards and uh, Big Al Alfred Williams, former defensive lineman for the Denver Broncos, um, a two-time Super Bowl champion. He was talking about Brian Flores and their blitz percentage, saying that those are not necessarily blitzes because you're only bringing five guys. And the way that, that teams talk about, at least when he was in, in the NFL back in the 90s, a blitz is when you bring more rushers than there are blockers. So this, to me, is an interesting talking point because if you're bringing five guys, you're getting one-on-one -on -one scenarios, hopefully, across the offensive line if, if you can manage to figure out a way to block it up. When you bring a sixth guy and you only have five, that is what Albert, uh, uh, excuse me, Alfred Williams constitutes as a blitz. Or if you have a, a tight end staying attached to the line of scrimmage, you bring seven guys much like what the Buffalo Bills did on back-to-back -back plays uh, against the Broncos, uh, which set up the game-winning field goal attempt. That's, to me, what do you think about those particular comments? And does that hold water in your estimation? I get where he's coming from, but no. I mean, there's a there's a wonderful tool out, tool out there. It's the NFL. It's terminology that is common use out there, and they'll go do it. And here is the definition of a blitz for them. A blitz is a play where the defense sends five or more defenders directly into the offensive backfield to attack the ball carrier and disrupt the offense. Five or more. Okay. I get where they're coming from. More rushers than there are blockers. But then what if you go max protect? You know, you're keeping both tight ends and a running back right. in. So that's eight people blocking. So now a blitz is nine. That was a big reason why I know back in the nineties, that was often how it was classified more, but around the turn of the century, there was a conversation about it. And there's actually, I have a book that actually talks about it um, and about why they changed, changed it to this is because when you get into those situations where you're keeping seven people in the block, five people is still a blitz because you are still mm -hmm. sending that extra rusher. And right. that is what it comes out to is, are you sending an extra rusher? And it takes out the how many blockers there are because it, it's just easy to manipulate that because then if you're looking at it, well, you just play six, keep a tight end all the time or a running back in all the time and six split things, then teams will have like basically no blitz percentage against you. Mm -hmm. But that that's not really, again, how it is. Um, so I get it. It's just not the way it is anymore. Um, I think it was like right around the turn of the century. It might've been a couple of years later. Um, it's, it's now is five or more. And that's yeah. and, just how it is. And that, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, because most, most offensive linemen, uh, most offenses are going to face a four, four down pressure. Look, it, you, you'll, it, it, when you get into three, four defenses, you get three down defensive linemen, two standing edge rushers. And typically someone's going to drop, you're going to rotate a defender, maybe twist or stunt. You're going to get four guys more often than not coming. That fifth guy is usually, like Eric says, constituted as a blitzer. With Brian Flores' defense, I think this is a great way to tie this conversation together here. Brian Flores does such a really good job disguising what he does with his defensive front. It's typically a four down front, but he's going to rotate a linebacker up and then bring us so the simulated pressure of the linebacker coming. And then he's going to bring somebody else off of the edge. He's going to bring another linebacker on the blitz. He might bring a nickel cornerback. He might bring six guys. He is so aggressive with what he does. And it's so hard because they disguise everything that they do defensively so well. And then you get the cover zero package 
where they will line up everybody up front. We're showing you we're going to bring the house. And then they'll drop seven guys and it'll just be a four man rush or they'll bring everybody up. We're going to show we're running. We're, we're bringing seven and they bring seven, including the safety hauling ass from the backside. And it's man on man cover zero over the top, similar to the play that we watched with the, with the Buffalo bills uh, where Jerry Judy got the pass interference call. So Eric, this is a big problem for this Broncos offensive line because they have struggled to communicate exactly what's going on up front, especially when you get these heavy blitz uh, pressure packages in their face. How do the Broncos combat that? So real quick, we have a comment here. Zach Powers asking, then an extra rusher only counts based upon base four or three down linemen. It doesn't matter. Um, it take completely takes away the five rush or more rushers. It takes away the need for that four, three, three, four, three, three, five. It takes two, four, five, whatever. It's just at the time of the snap, how many players are then attacking the ball carrier, the quarterback, the the running back, whatever it is. Are there only four of them? And it could be a situation where you're two interior defensive linemen, they drop and it's two linebackers, two edges, and then a safety. That's a blitz or it's five or more. Um, so it doesn't really matter what how many down linemen you have it's just looking at how many people are coming after the quarterback yeah absolutely guys uh we gotta give another shout out to one of our sponsors here obviously a great sponsor of the show we've done this uh done these guys multiple different times uh manscaped we're we're thankful for the lawnmower 5.0 ultra guys are you ready to spice up your thanksgiving as we dive head first into the mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce let's talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season keeping yourself well-groomed with the, land, the uh, Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. That's right. Go cold turkey on your old razor and take care of your own turkey leg with the, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Visit manscaped.com and use code HUDDLE for 20% off and free shipping and enjoy Thanksgiving in style. Make sure you're, you make yourself look as good as you possibly can with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, guys. Yeah, and the lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, the great thing about it is that it's waterproof. So if you don't want to sit there and make a mess on your floor, you can go and ease your cleanup and go do it when you're in the shower. Very, you know, simple and easy. But that's not the only thing that they have new. They also have you all when you go and you make this order, you also get the Manscaped Boxers 2.0 premium underwear and the Shed 2.0 toiletry bag. Now, the boxers, I don't have the 2.0 ones. I have the first ones, and those were the most comfortable pair of boxers that I that I own super comfy soft and you know breathable too so absolutely wonderful and the toiletry bag anytime i travel whether it's for the meet and greet or friends weddings or even just going to the bigger city um up here toiletry bag it's simple it's small it's compact and it fits everything that i need to take with me there i absolutely love it i love my the manscape products that i use that i have i mean it's just in a bunch of different amazing products that they have yeah, absolutely. I, I I use the 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 nose and ear trimmer all the time. I've got the the, the manicure set. You've got uh, fingernail clippers, uh, some nose hair tweezers. You've got uh, a set of tweezers, some nail files. It's a, a a wonderful little kit that you can get. Comes with the bag. Comes with the underwear. Comes with the the uh, the lawn mower 5.0. And again, guys, make sure you guys uh, go and and support Manscaped. They're a great supporter of our show. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HUDDLE at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code HUDDLE at checkout and be thankful this holiday season to make sure that you look your best for everybody in your family. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, Eric, back to the question that I had for you, because I think that it's one that is a this is a great question for you, breaking down the X's and O's. Like I said, you know, this team is this Vikings team, this defense very specifically is incredibly disguise heavy. They disguise everything they like to do up front, especially with their blitz packages. How do the Broncos combat that? Well, there are multiple ways for it. And there is a there's a dangerous way that you can do it, which is the way that is very commonly talked about as the blitz beater. But with what Brian Flores does with disguising his coverage, it's risky. Quick hot reads. Mm-hmm. But the issue with that, whether it's a quick slant to Cortland Sutton, one of those guys that's showing blitz could quickly drop into the path of the ball, creating an opportunity for an interception. That is a riskier way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you're facing a blitz-heavy team like this, you want to get the ball out quickly. Another way? draws let them come up wait a second let have your offensive line who's doing a great job creating openings in the run game create that opening and go and let your running back go this would be a really big game to have jaleel mclaughlin used quite a bit to help counter this blitz you don't want to keep him in blocking which might you know also provides a little risk because it might make the offense a little bit more predictable because you're not going to keep him into block you're you're going to be using him in some way or another and another way is screens. As much as I hate them, mm-hmm. screens are such a good way to attack aggressive defenses. It's why for under Fick Fangio, the Broncos defense had such an issue with defending them um, because they were they, they were aggressive, but not in the form of blitzing. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it just counters that aggressiveness. It gets the guys upfield, and then you can just quickly just sneak the ball behind them, let your blockers go out, and make the plays and get big gains. All three of those are, I would fully expect to be heavily in the offensive game plan, um, being used quite a bit and just going and, you know, trying to get either the Vikings to be more passive, which they don't do. They would, they will die by the blitz. Mm-hmm. Like that is Brian Flores's mentality. They will die by the blitz, uh, yep. but they live by it as well. I mean, what he has done with this defense, that is a big reason why they are on the win streak that they are. Like yeah, and, how aggressive they are, and the capabilities of 
of his blitz packages and not to give you know not to discredit anybody he's got some amazing pass rushers to work with mm-hmm. to make his blitzing yeah. so effective um and then he's got great defensive backs when it comes to blitzing they're so mm-hmm. effective and linebackers like it's just a really good set of players that they have there that fits his scheme so well well, and another thing, and I'm so glad that you went to the um, staying away from the quick passing game, specifically on slants, because that's where everybody wants to go with the football is blitz level replacement. So when, what I what I mean by that, guys, is typically on a hot read, if you identify that a blitzer is going to come, you want to throw to the replacement level of that particular player. So typically what happens is you have a wide receiver on the outside, you're going to run a slant or a quick in route to that particular area. These cornerbacks, Caleb Evans, Byron Murphy, and Andrew Booth Jr., they do such a great job on the outside of diving and and running into those routes. They get their hands on a lot of footballs working that way. These guys are incredibly talented. They're perfect fits. And like Eric said, they match the blitzers. They they can come off the edge if they want to. They're so athletic in the second half of this defense. Um, Ivan Pace Jr., he's an undrafted rookie out of Cincinnati. Eric, I know he was one of your favorite guys to watch uh, in this uh, in this last draft class. This dude is flying all over the field. Brian Osamoa, another guy that, while he struggles in coverage, is a very fluid and incredible athlete. He's linear. He's not a guy that wants to move away from the football or side to side. He's more forward and backwards. But these guys, they do such a great job of disguising what they're going to do. And then these cornerbacks, they'll come up and they'll press you and they will drive on the football and they will get their hands on the football, knock the ball up into the air and hopefully create turnover opportunities. It's such a fun and dynamic defense to watch. And it goes back to Brian Flores' time as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. This this scheme is transcendent right now in the NFL because if you have the players to do it, you can actually accomplish a hell of a lot defensively for uh, for your team. Michael Ronquillo jumping in here uh, on Facebook, drops in some stars as he always is want to do. Michael, your support, dude, is always among the greatest. You're on the mile high huddle, uh, Mount Rushmore for sure. Uh, saying good evening, Lance and Eric on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos. Um, Eric, I want to specifically go back to the pass rush of this team because on the edges, they they have two guys that are absolutely destroying stuff. Uh, and Daniil Hunter, who is uh, number two in the NFL, tied for second in the NFL with TJ Watt and Trey Hendrickson with 11 sacks this season, 40 total pressures coming off of uh, the right side of the off, or the, excuse me, the left side of the offensive line. And then your guy, DJ Wanham has had a tremendous season in terms of his growth. Six sacks for him, I think, uh, in the 30s and pressures as well. This this team, even if they don't pressure you with the blitz package, they can get after you rushing the passer off of the edges, man. And Mike McGlinchey versus DJ Wanham, I think that's a battle that we really need to keep our eyes on. Yeah, real quick before I get to that, just to clarify. Um, so Zach Powers coming in. So going back to what classifies as a blitz, not trying to beat this topic home or anything like that, just trying to be clear here. Zach, he says, so with three defensive tackles and two edge rushers, it's considered a blitz every time, only if all five of them rush. Yes. that that That's what it is, is you can line up with six people on the line, three edges, three defensive linemen or four defensive linemen and two extra edges. As long as five or more are at the snap, are coming after the quarterback and not dropping into coverage. And it also cancels out is after a couple seconds that they show blitz and, you know, at the snap, they start to come and then they drop back. That is also taken out from being a blitz. So it is, they have to be a consistent attacker from the snap on. 
Um, let me, going, let me let, uh, just, just quickly to, to, to clarify, because you said something that I, I that I want to have some clarification here. Uh, oftentimes what you'll see is you'll see a linebacker, uh, maybe even an edge rusher that's lined up at the at the line of scrimmage and they will attack the line of scrimmage and wait. And they're, they're, what their assignment is they're probably in man coverage against the running back. And if that running back clears and gets out to the um, out to the flat or they they try to run a route or something like that, that linebacker, while it appears that he may be coming as a blitzer, he will then drop back and then go back to his coverage assignment. If that if that linebacker is in man coverage and the and the running back stays into pass protection, that linebacker is automatically a, bl a blitzer. That's called a green dog blitz. You see that a lot, especially on uh, third and long scenarios where they're not sure that if the running back is going to leak out into into the pass route or if he's going to stay. So it, it's it's a subtle nuances that you got to kind of I don't want to call anybody like pay attention to and understand exactly what you're seeing. And a lot of people don't quite get that aspect of what constitutes a blitzer as what does not constitute a blitzer. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot more, there's a little bit more nuance than just do the attack in a situation of, Oh, the running back they're they're going to leak out and the linebacker comes in and then they leak out for it. Then it becomes a situation of, do they engage? Do they engage yeah. a blocker and then peel off? If they engage a blocker, I'm fairly certain it still gets classified as a blitz. Um, if they don't engage a blocker and they peel off before that, I'm pretty sure it gets counted down as not a blitz. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not 100% sure on that, though. Um, but yeah, general rule of thumb, five or more players, as long as they're consistently attacking the quarterback, it's a blitz. Um, Brad Winkler coming in saying, hey, I'll be sure to hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't. Definitely. Make Thank sure you guys Brad. are hitting that like button. Make sure you guys are subscribing. Clicking the little you know bell there to turn notifications on so you guys can get whenever we go live. Um, there are things in the work to try to bring even more content to you guys as well. Um, so keep an eye out for that and clicking that little bell for the notifications. Going to help you guys do that. Douglas Wall comes in and says, will it not be harder for the defense to blitz as much as they normally do being at mile high? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, they'll have oxygen on the sidelines. They'll have ways to help keep their guys gassed um, mm -hmm. and everything. They'll still blitz. It's never stopped Brian Flores before, um, no. even in bad elements. There there has mm -hmm. been nothing to slow down Brian Flores' aggressiveness. Um, no. And it's very similar to Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph is very aggressive with it as well. Um, going back to these caliber of pass rushers that they have, one thing that is absolutely like mind-blowing to me a little bit is they have 22 players the vikings do who have registered at least one pass rush snap meaning at least once they've been going after the quarterback 18 of them have registered a pressure mm -hmm. 119 is, total pressures 119 is, total pressures from this team it's crazy uh 157 so that that stat updated apparently because i was just looking at it on pff earlier they have 157 total pressures. And oh also God. with this too, is like the other thing is 
win percentage is always a tricky stat to look at because if you have a guy who, in this instance, he has Pat and I had three pass rush snaps, he has one pressure, so he's winning 33.3% of the time. Got to kind of balance it out there. You look, got to look at these other guys. I mean, you have Daniel Hunter, who has rushed the pass almost 400 times, 363 times to be exact, winning 15.2% of the time. Crazy. Um, you have Marcus Davenport, who's been a situational pass rusher for them, winning almost 10% of the time. They have they are ridiculously effective at getting up the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Ivan Pace Jr., he is such an effective blitzer at the yeah. linebacker position. One of the things that I absolutely loved about him coming out of Cincinnati, even though I wasn't high on him overall, was the just how quick he is to trigger downhill, whether it be against yep. the run or whether it be as a pass rusher. Dude is great. Now, I want to shut this conversation back because we can go all night about you know, how aggressive they are, what they do, and you know, real quick, what enables them to is that they their corners and defensive back and secondary, they're not an outstanding bunch, but they are good at keeping physical, keeping guys close to them, and just allowing you know Brian Flores to be aggressive. They're not allowing mm-hmm. instant separation, which makes those hot reads even harder. I want to go back to more of what the Broncos offense can do. Mm-hmm. Um because Everything that we look at with this with this offense, we've seen Russell Wilson struggle. We've seen play questionable play calling. We've seen blocking not hold up. All these issues against the blitz. This is a game they have to figure it out. It's a non-conference game, but with the rest of the schedule that the Broncos have, if they really want to be in the playoffs, they cannot afford to lose this one. No. They have to be at 5-5 five and five after this game. Because yeah. when you look at the rest of the playoff picture, and I'm kind of shifting topic here again a little bit, they kind of control their own fate in making the playoffs in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a game against the Browns and the Texans, who are currently six and seventh in the seeding. Both process. winnable games, too. Both winnable games, too. They have a game against the Raiders, who are sitting at five and five, that are ninth in the seeding, and they have two games against the Chargers who are a little bit above the Broncos and in 12th in the seating with the Broncos sitting at 14th. They've already lost multiple games that can benefit them. They helped themselves already by beating the bills. So this is a game that just to help with the record a little bit, they've got to win this one mm-hmm. because if you lose this one, then it basically makes it the rest of your schedule. You cannot afford to lose. Yep. And I already question, as it is, by watching, having going through and watching the other AFC teams, I question if a team that is sitting, what is it, uh, 12 and 5, I question where they will fall in the playoff hunt. Like, things are that tough in the AFC wild yep. card rate at the moment, looking at yep. other schedules that they have. Uh, you can't afford to lose this one because if, you, if you're going to 11 and 6, or 10 and seven, basically there is a really bad chance of making it. And already ESPN released their playoff percentages, the ability to get seedings. The Broncos sit with a less than 12% chance as it is to make the playoffs, according to ESPN. I 
I, I had seen another one. It was uh, and K Hop jumping in here. It, this is the one that I had seen. I think it was NFL.com. Um, eighteen percent chance was what NFL.com had had deciphered uh, earlier today. Um, I, I don't disagree with you, Eric, in, in any way, shape, or form. This is a very winnable game, and I think that while it's going to be difficult sledding for this Broncos de- uh, Broncos offense against this Vikings defense, and I, I want to go a little bit into the. Um, what the Broncos offense can do. We've got about 25 minutes here. Um, offensively, w- while while the blitz the the blitz packages and everything like that is scary, and I understand, um, you know, the, the the easiest way to to slow down a pass rush is is draws and screens. I, I think that this is a, a a really good opportunity for the Broncos to dial up those shot plays. And when when I say shot plays, I mean shotgun, three-step drop, shot plays, essentially mimicking a seven-step drop out of uh, coming from under center. You're going to see a lot of cover zero, and and Harrison Smith is is dynamic as a safety, and you got to really kind of watch him as the focal point of this defense, especially in the secondary. But utilizing speed, you have two players right now, and one of them in Marvin Mims is not being utilized properly, in my opinion. But Jerry Judy, you just saw it against the Buffalo Bills. They bring a seven-man pressure, and you go quick three-step drop, throw the ball up, and let somebody go make a play. That is the most susceptible thing that you that, that this Brian Flores defense has always been the, like the worst against. Shot plays. You have to get the shot plays going this week. And Russell Wilson just so happens to be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL at throwing the deep ball. They're not doing it right now because they're not asking him to go out and win football games. They're asking him to be conservative. Just keep a hold of the football. Make the plays you need to. Check it down. I think you need to take chances against this this Minnesota defense. I really do. And because – those big plays, if you can run the football well enough and be consistent with the screen game, set some stuff up, you have to win over the top against this Minnesota defense. And if you do that, that's where you turn our defense over. You turn this Denver Broncos defense over and allow your pass rushers to get after Josh Dobbs and force him into the turnovers that he is very, very susceptible to. Eric, what do you think about that? I'm going to be very you know, careful with the wording I choose here. Um, just after the three-game win streak, you know, I hear you guys in the comments and everything trying to be a little bit more positive about this team. Um, so I'm going to be very careful with my wording on this. It is a risk still because, and I'll disagree with you with one thing, Brian Flores's team does a great job of limiting explosive plays. They did mm-hmm. when he was every every step of the way. They have always done a good job of limiting explosive plays. Even this year, they are third in limiting explosive play rates. They and just don't what, allow it. And a so, big reason for that is how well they disguise plays and bait throws. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is going to be a problem for this Broncos offense, why, which is why there is a risk with doing that. They can still try to find those um, and find those shots, but they got to be t- timely. They got to pick their down. And there is plenty of data out there that to you know to pick out what downs and everything that you want to go and look at on that, um, and try to figure that out. But one thing with this team is they do not slow down their blitz whatsoever. 
They are mm -hmm. first in the number of blitzes on first down. They are second in number of blitzes on second down and fourth in number of blitzes on third down. This team stays aggressive. So it's going to make it even more difficult for them to find those opportunities to take those shots. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't disagree with that. And and a big part of the reason why, and, and I'm, I'm glad you went with the disguising of coverages because they do bait you into those throws. And Harrison Smith is having a hell of a season. I think he has four interceptions already this season. Uh, I know he's among the, the league leaders in terms of interceptions this year. The dude's just incredible. First off, first and foremost, Harrison Smith is so underrated as a safety, and I, I I know he's I think 31 or 32 years old, but this dude is just incredible. But I think that you can win with speed against this team. I I really do. I I don't I don't know. Without going back and watching um, every single game and and breaking down everything about the Minnesota Vikings, and and that's my fault. I probably should have done that. Struggles, but. I don't know that they've faced a, a, a dynamic duo of speed plus a contested catch guy like Colton Sutton this season. I, I really don't know that. Um, they're on a five-game winning streak right now. Um, they're playing with a backup quarterback. If you can get a couple of shots to actually hit, limit the the explosiveness of that defense from uh, in terms of creating pressures and sacks, uh, run the football effectively like the Broncos have been doing here and hit them with a couple of screens, that's the recipe to win. I, I do believe at least offensively defensively on the other hand, this is where things get fun because this defense that for the Denver Broncos, they've been doing so well in terms of creating turnovers. They've gotten a lot of pressures. They haven't got a lot of sacks, but they continue to get a lot of pressures, uh, especially Jonathan Cooper. I think he had a hell of a game against the Buffalo bills this last week, but this Minnesota offensive line is incredible guys christian derisaw is playing at an all pro level at left tackle brian o'neill is playing at a pro bowl level at right tackle and um damn it they're uh, the center uh i cannot remember his name damn it um anyway he's he's playing at a very high level as well i think that the big part of this offensive line that you can attack and this is a guy that eric you and i have much maligned but have given a lot of credit to for his ability to turn his season around this is a this is a game for Zach Allen to really show his his, his true colors here. If he can get after uh, Ed Ingram, the the right guard, and and start to collapse the pocket from the interior, this is a big game where the Broncos need Zach Allen to be the guy as their premier pass rusher. Absolutely, Eric. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean they have they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They maximize the talent that they have. But you're spot on. Ed Ingram is the weak link on the offensive line. The other four are really good players. Yeah, Dalton um, Don't forget Dalton Reisner well, there too. No, I, I Dalton Reisner is bad. He will always be bad. Um, <laughs> no, he actually he wasn't actually that that good last week either. Um, mm -hmm. They definitely have taken a pretty big hit um, since they moved on from Ezra Cleveland. Um, so Dalton Reisner, but. The thing with Dalton Reisner is that he hasn't been Ed Ingram bad, and he's played less than half the snaps. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll give some Dal Dalton Reisner some credit. The scheme fits with him. Like, with what he does, that scheme is just a perfect match. Mm -hmm. uh, his pass blocking efficiency is better. He hasn't allowed any sacks. Like, he he's, he's doing well. Um, in his limited time, he's allowed 12 pressures. Um, which is a concern, but still, 
you can you know get a little better. Ed Ingram is the weakest link on there. Brian O'Neill is playing very well. He does have a bit of a habit to um, get hit for penalties pre and post snap a little bit. Christian Derisaw has been absolutely outstanding. Garrett Bradbury, the center, has been great this year. Um, so there are a lot of things, um, ways that they can attack this offensive line and make life difficult for what is it, the Pastronaut or whatever his nickname is? Yeah, Josh Dobbs, the Pastronaut. He's the um, a very smart guy, did an internship, I believe is what it was, with NASA. Um, he's an astronaut, essentially. And uh, I, Eric, I want to kind of elaborate here. But first, let's 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 grab some of these comments here. We've got a bunch of comments coming in. Uh, we haven't really said hello to really anybody in the chat. Malcolm Brown jumping in from Homer, Alaska, our good friend out there in Alaska, right around the corner from Eric. Uh, are there any Arizona players, Arizona Cardinal players, that Vance Joseph would want? Uh, the first one that jumped into my mind, um, specifically with Zayvon Collins, that they're like – I, I would love to see Zayvon Collins again in this defense. Pair him up with uh, with Drew Sanders, very dynamic linebacker core there. Move on from Josie Jewell, move on from Alex Singleton. I would love to see that. Uh, we've got another guy coming in, uh, K-Hop saying, Buddha Baker, please. Eric, what do you think uh, in terms of Arizona players that Vance Joseph might want to bring along with him next season? Um, let me pull up the roster here. Uh... <laughs> Zayvon Collins I, is the guy that I want the most. Like I, I love that kid. He's so good. Too redundant. Way too redundant. It is a little bit redundant, um, but I, I I can I can get behind it anyways. Um, not not to mention Jonathan Gannon has completely taken him away from um, playing linebacker. And yeah, he's he's, he's a full time edge now. Yeah, he's a full time edge yeah. now and doing terribly, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's not playing very well. That whole defense <laughs> is playing badly. So. I I don't know about that. Um, looking through it. Um... Uh, hey Peter, uh, uh, Peter Middleton, you said you uh, nice stars from somebody. Uh, give me a, give me a name on that so we can cr- uh, pull that up here in just a second, please. Uh, Eric, go ahead and continue on that. I'm gonna just give a shout out to everybody here in in the house tonight. Uh, Patrick Wilty. Patrick, need some coffee, dog. Help me out, dog. Uh, David Youngkin, uh, Peter Middleton doing his thing in Singapore last I knew. Uh, we've got K-Hop in the house, uh, Chase Wellner, C. Chang, Doug Tessier, uh, William Catalano. Uh, we got a Facebook – oh, uh, Benjamin uh, on Facebook. Can't see your last name, so I do apologize for that. But thank you for joining us. Jerron Washington, Mark Hoynack, a lot of uh, familiar faces here tonight thank you all for joining us on dove valley deep divers we definitely appreciate your guys's support and uh coming in to enjoy a wonderful friday evening with us eric uh go back to the your uh um arizona cardinals player uh jalen thompson he's been having a pretty good year you know safety okay he's still young um he's similar to Kareem Jackson and what he does and brings to the defense. Okay. Um, I think he, I think he's better. He's a little bit thinner. He's not as, you know, um, he's not as punishing with his tackling, I guess would be a safe way to put it. Um, <laughs> but I, but I wouldn't mind him outside of that. There's really no one like Buddha Baker. You just get into an issue of finances. Yeah. Uh, why I wanted to avoid that. I mean, you, the money doesn't work out there with Justin Simmons. If you're going and getting Buddha Baker, you're saying goodbye to Justin Simmons. 
Um, so I'm just, uh, yeah, not really anyone that stands out. Um, Victor Dimukaje, maybe, you know, if you wanted to add to the pass rush a little bit. Um, I mean, he's been pretty good for them. It's a it's a good depth piece, I think. I, I mean, you, you, you're you upgrading him, over uh, Thomas Incombe, at least. I think uh, with him, I, you can have a pretty solid four-man rotation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Coop, I'm not, Cooper I'm not Browning, Benito, Daimukage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm here for that. Um, let's see here. Uh, defensively. Eric, you accustomed. Let's go back to the uh, um, Minnesota Vikings. Wait, wait, wait. We got uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here. Uh, who's on the injury list as of today, and what do you think the percentage of run pass will be? All right. So, injury report came out earlier today. Uh, the only player that is expected to miss the game for the Denver Broncos is PJ Locke. Obviously, suffered that ankle injury early, oh. and I think. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. He's not expected to miss. He will miss. He was ruled out. Yes. Yep. He Sorry. Will miss the so, game. yeah, he, he will miss the game. Um, other than that, there is no other injury designation. I, I believe uh, questionable is is all the way around, but that means pretty much there you're going to play. Ben Powers listed as questionable. Uh, Jerry Judy questionable. Um, there was another one I cannot remember off the top of my head right now. Um, the Broncos coming into the game relatively healthy. Uh, the big one for the Minnesota Vikings offensively is is Justin Jefferson, who's dealing with a hamstring injury. Um, uh, NFL insider Benjamin Albright on KOA earlier today said that uh, Justin Jefferson is probably going to be a, a game time decision. And that's interesting because he's not quite on the active roster. They still have time to do that. But that's the big one here. Um, Alexander Madison running back from uh, uh, Minnesota has a concussion. Uh, he was a full participant on Friday. Sounds like he's going to play. Uh, anything else, Eric? I, I I don't have it pulled up. I I, I did earlier. Uh, any any injury news that you know of? Uh, talking to people you talk about that you can bring to light here uh, to close us out here soon. Yeah, the thing with Justin Jefferson is he had his 21 day. Just to clarify this a little bit, he had his 21 day practice window open, but he's not on the active roster. Um, they will have to make that decision if they're going to activate him tomorrow, which they can, and then he can be a game time decision. As long as he stays on the 21 day window, you know, he can't play. So he, he's out. And from everything I've gathered, it sounds like he's trending towards not being activated in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they want to get him a couple days of full practice before making the decision. Um, and on top of that is, um, from what I understood, um, a Vikings reporter on Twitter, I can't remember his name, was Arif talking Hassan. about how – no, 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 no. It wasn't him. I know Arif. Mm. Um, it was a different one. And he made the comment – or he tweeted out a comment that he – Justin Jefferson, after he would run a little bit today, he was limping afterwards um, and seemed to be – to have taken a slight step back in his recovery from his hamstring injury that he's dealing with. So it looks like that he doesn't – that he won't play. Um, I still leaves their offense as a threat. TJ Hawkinson is still a damn good player. And mm -hmm. with the Broncos issues that they've had, there is going to be an opening for him. We talked about this last week with Dalton Kincaid. They struggle really guarding the middle of the field because mm -hmm. Vance Joseph's defense has always been open in the middle of the field. He has always wanted to push things outwards, be aggressive, mm -hmm. push things to the boundary. 
that's always been his style. So there is an opening there, and the issue is going to be if the pass rush isn't able to get home consistently, which isn't an easy task against this offensive line, and with Dobbs' ability to escape and maneuver and you know take off, TJ Hawkinson and him and Dobbs have great chemistry. He can find he makes himself open, he makes himself ready almost immediately. He knows how to find the soft spot in zone, and he's good enough at getting separation to be effective in man. He is still a major threat for mm. this defense. It would yeah. not surprise me if come after the game, TJ Hawkinson has over a hundred yards receiving. It would not surprise me one bit because he well, is that good and he is that good at attacking where Denver has it still has issues with in you know in their pass coverage. Well, and you're absolutely right on that. And uh, uh, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see TJ Hawkinson have a half like he had last week. He had 10 catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. It, was that last week or two weeks? Regardless, he had 10 catches, 128 yards and a touchdown in a game very recently. Um, like that's, that's a big thing. I want to answer the second half of this question really quick from Phil, but I also want to go, there's a comment that I want to grab specifically talking about Justin Jefferson and if he plays or does not. Back to Phil. What do you think the percentage of run versus pass will be for the Denver Broncos offense? I think it needs to stay very similar to what it has been. 55 to 45, the Broncos run in the football a lot. They need to stick with running the football. And they're going to be pounding their head against a brick wall doing it. But I do think that there are opportunities here, especially when um, Ben Powers is going to play from the, from the sound of it. It sounds like he's confirmed he's going to play. Quinn Miners uh, up front. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry has been doing a great job. He's got a tough task against Harrison Phillips this week. But there are opportunities here for this Broncos offensive line to open up some holes running. And Javante Williams does such a great job breaking tackles between the tackles. And you can you can continue to work against this Minnesota defense. Who is, they're okay against the run. They're not great by any stretch of the match. They're okay. If you can run the football effectively limit the chances of this team getting after the quarterback and pressuring Russell Wilson and forcing into the mistakes. They need to, to, to do that specifically. I think 60, 40 is the way they should go. 55, 45 is more than likely what it will be. Eric, your thoughts. I think they're a lot better against the run than just. Okay. Okay. They're top eight. They're top eight in both success rate and defending the run and EPA defending the run. Okay. So the, I, I <laughs> was looking at the wrong numbers then because I, I did they, not they, see they that. Are, they are quite good at it. Um, specifically, their EPA against the rush is negative 0.14. And, you know, the lower the number, the better, or they mm -hmm. rank eighth. And their success rate against the run, they rank seventh. Okay. So they, they are quite good against the run. Doesn't mean that they don't right. have openings. We talked about this at the beginning of the show. Even great run defenses still have those openings. And what the Broncos need to do is they don't, they need to still stick with the run, mm -hmm. but they need to use those plays that can bait them with their aggressiveness a little bit and take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. A few mm -hmm. more draws, um, you know, maybe a few more, you know, outside toss plays, um, but it's going to be a lot on Russell Wilson to sit there and read it. And he can't be afraid to adjust the play a little bit. If they're looking mm -hmm. like a heavy blitz off the left side, then he needs to be willing to call it and audible it and, you know, run off to the run off to the right or whatever, find the opening, find the crease uh, and hope that your offensive line can go and do their job and create the opening as they have done pretty well for the last few years. Um, so this, this defense, 
they, they do they do a lot of things are extremely well they are a team that um has even even when they weren't doing like before their winning streak they were a better team than what people thought of them to be um they were still they went toe to toe with the Philadelphia Eagles that was one of their losses that they had um they are a good team I still have Denver winning it. Just to be clear here, I do think they expect Denver to win. I do think they find ways to capitalize over the on the aggressiveness of it a little bit. Um, not having Jefferson in there as I'm as is the expectation at this point um, helps them a little bit. T.J. Hawkinson still worrisome, but the rest of the receivers are unknowns or iffy. Um, Addison, he could be great. Um, there's just a lot of consistency issues that he has. Um, and the thing is with K Hop saying if Jefferson doesn't play, it'll be a bit easier for Sertan to guard Addison. Sertan doesn't mirror receivers. Um he never has, never has this season. Um he's never had more than I think like 40% of his snaps come against a single receiver. And anything mm-hmm. above 40 is what they consider to be mirroring. Um he predominantly sticks to the quarterback's right and stays there there are a few times depending on the look and the the formation that he will cross formation and go cover a guy um but he doesn't he doesn't mirror people um i and and even and even then he's not necessarily crossing over the formation they usually slide safeties over slide the slide jaquan mcmillan and have passers stay on the backside it's not often i'm not i'm I'm not saying like it's like that's something they do is like flip sertan over to, to to guard a guy They'll do that. They typically leave Sertan on the right side, though. Typically, yes. Correct. And when I say cross formation, there are a few times where he will go over to the quarterback's yeah. left. But it's just, again, it's just not common. Um, Peter Middleton asks if Power doesn't play, who would take his place? Ben or uh, Ben Powers is expected to play. He came out and he said he would play. He's not. He's not even listed as questionable. He is marked good to go for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So it is. He's expected, yeah, I, I he's, just... he's expected to play. Before we get out of here, Lance, though, um, I mean, we both expect the Broncos to pick up their fourth straight win, keep them alive in the playoff hunt. Do you do you think that this – do you think they are – the Broncos will be a playoff team? I think that there there's a less than 0% chance that they are going to be a no. playoff team. And do range... you think the Broncos are a playoff team? I th- yes let, or let no? My- I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> no. No, I don't. And the reason why I say that is because, it, and as much praise as I have for this team right now, and I, 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 I said it against the green uh, in the uh, the post game coverage against the Green Bay Packers. Th- this team's learning how to win. They don't know how to win yet. And there's going to be a couple of games down the stretch that are going to be winnable football games where they're going to have some stumbles and struggles. This one against the Minnesota Vikings is one that I, I can definitely see them losing. I'm picking them to win. I think they're going to win. And I think they're going to win handily, quite honestly. I think they're going to get after Josh Dobbs. They're going to force another two or three turnovers against this Minnesota Vikings defense. They're going to stop the five-game winning streak, and they're going to go to five and five. But the next week you've got the Cleveland Browns and the top defense in the NFL, in my opinion. That defense is so incredibly crazy. You're probably going to drop a game to the Chargers. There's 
a good chance you drop a game to the Detroit Lions as well. And that offense that's playing just ridiculously efficiently here lately. As much as I want to say, I think that this team is going to be a playoff team. I can't say that for a hundred percent right now. Give me this win against the Minnesota Vikings. I think that they are a playoff team. This is the game right here. I know that I said the, the Buffalo Bills team, I will talk about them being potentially a playoff team. If they win against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night football, they are a playoff team. I think that that's the one win that they need to have to finalize that winning culture and really start to make this run the right way. Do they do damage in the playoffs? That's another question. And I know that's a long way of going about saying, no, I don't think they're a playoff team. Show me a little bit more. This game here, and I think they're going to win. And if they do win this game, they're a playoff team. I, I, I do think that. I just want to see it first. Um, Zach Power is asking, why is it Fleming R6 O-line instead of Bailey? Wouldn't Fleming be our better shot? Or is it an injury risk thing? Um, a lot of teams typically don't have their backup swing tackle as their sixth OL. They typically have one of the more versatile guys, whether it be, you know, like the seventh or eighth man, it's not their, it's not their, it's not their swing tackle. Um, so, so that, that's part of it is Bailey has the versatility um, to play inside or out. Fleming is the backup swing tackle. If one of the tackles goes down, Fleming's the first one out there. Um Bailey is just to help protect that a little bit. So it doesn't deal with a little bit of injury thing. Mm -hmm. Just helps do that to uh, predict it. So, yeah, um, and and to, to expand a little bit, and uh, I was looking at something. So if I missed this point, particularly Fleming's a swing tackle, like he's going to play on the outside. Bailey's the swing guard, swing interior guy more. It's, it's just a comfortability thing. So if, if you said that, I do apologize. Um, I, I think the more interesting question here is, if Bailey, uh, if uh, Powers does end up missing time, how does this offensive line shake out? Like, is it just Bailey coming into left guard, or are we going to talk talking switching guards here? Is is Miners going to play the left side, Bailey play the right side? I think that is something. And Eric, I, I know you got some thoughts on this. I want you to elaborate just a little bit. So a big thing with offensive line is offensive linemen is you got to be com have being comfortable on which side you're playing in. Um, while Quinn Paley can play both sides, from what I've gathered, he's a bit more comfortable playing on the right side. So if Ben Powers, something happens and he is expected to miss a little bit of time, what I think they would do is move Quinn Miners over because they wouldn't, they don't expect him to have a drop off and play either side. He's been cross training since before he got here. Um, he's played both sides of the line. He's played at a high level on both sides of the line. And then inserting Quinn Bailey a little bit more, he's more comfortable. And another reason for that, I think, is because of um, trying to figure out how to put this without becoming coming off as you know uh, a butthead. Um, putting the more reliable guy next to Garrett Bowles, I think, mm. is better because then you're trying you're not getting Garrett Bowles trying to do too much. And the big reason why that's important in protecting that side is Russell Wilson has struggled more escaping pressure from the left side than mm -hmm. he has from the right side. Yes. Um, which also constitutes of why you don't want Bulls do trying to do too much, why you want your more solid guy keeping um more solid guard on the left side 
all that. My now, real quick, just deep thought process here. Part of that leads me to question why they have Ben Powers playing the left side and not Quinn Miners to start. My assumption is Ben Powers isn't comfortable playing the right side, so they're just going into I, that comfort comfortability with Ben Powers. Yeah, and, and I, I think that you pretty much summed it up correctly on that one. Um, my thing is that if, if Powers does miss time moving Miners to the to the left side when he has been so dominant on the right side next to Mike McGlinchey in the running game. Now, that's not to take away from what could be an absolutely kick-ass and destructive left side of the offensive line because Garrett Bowles would be out there. Let me thump my chest again. Garrett Bowles, guys, you, the, the, the dude's the truth. He's playing pretty damn good football right now. And Garrett Bowles and Quinn Miners in the running game, getting that motion, that, motion, that aggressiveness, that attitude out there up front, would be incredibly fun to watch. Uh, Eric, I think we are pretty much done. I got K-Hop jumping in here saying that, yes, the Lance negativity is back. Last time this happened, the Broncos beat the Chiefs. Hey, I hope we don't ever come off as overly negative, guys. And that's something that Eric and I have prided ourselves upon is becoming more objective with our criticism, you know, and and not trying to be overly negative. Um, we're We're going to do better about that moving forward it's going to be a change to our show i want everybody to know this we've been talking about it kind of behind the scenes being more objective more positivity bringing in the the things that this team is doing well and it makes it a hell of a lot easier when they're winning football games and they're they're playing a hell of a lot better up front so hopefully we can get a little bit more positivity injected into the show get a little bit more of our objective criticism takes to under to make people understand that we're not just being negative assholes sorry uh all the time you guys are the lifeblood of the show and we want you guys to be here and to understand that we're just trying to be um as as open and honest about our opinions about this team as we possibly can so thank you all for being here it's been a great show tonight hopefully we we rang that in as much as humanly possible and showed that we guys that, that we as the dove valley deep divers can be positive and can be um a great show for you guys uh moving forward with that though gotta say Thank you all to everybody for joining us tonight. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Lance S underscore MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, while you're at it on Twitter, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle as some other account where you guys get breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos um, opinion articles, film breakdowns, anything breaking news. You're going to find it at Mile High Huddle and at milehighhuddle.com. Guys, uh, Head on over to mhhmerch.com, get yourself a hat, a t-shirt, uh, a coffee a coffee cup, face mask, onesie for your baby. There's even scarves for your dog if, if that so suits your fancy. Great way to support the show and the website. We really appreciate it. And if you guys are not financially able to do so, the three things that everybody should be doing across all platforms uh, is subscribe. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Please subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video you guys see. And if you love it, please share it. Please, please, please get it in front of as many Broncos fans as possible. Because without your guys' support and this community, we could not do what we do, which is cover our Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, is there any burning comments you want to uh, come back out and, and maybe address before we get out of here? Yeah, I just realized how weird my eyebrows look. 
<laughs> what? Something while you're talking, I was looking myself. I was like, one is like straight, and the other one is kind of arc. That's, anyways, guys. Um, that's just your face. In. That's just your face, dude. I'm one word looking, dude. Like, uh, anyways, um, thank you guys for joining us. As always, as Lance said, we appreciate you guys joining in every single week. Um, have a wonderful holiday. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time with your family. You know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. be smart with the conversation you don't want it, you know family fights on thanksgiving there's a whole subreddit about it and i always like to read them every year hopefully you know you guys you know do well at avoiding you know those touchy subjects that create havocs and families and all that um enjoy the food eat a lot and hopefully this time next week we're talking about you know the broncos trying to get their fifth win in a row yep yeah, absolutely, man. And like I said, I, I think the Broncos are going to win. Eric thinks the Broncos are going to win. Our The entire staff predictions are up. Milehighhuddle.com. The roundtable is live. Been live since about noon uh, earlier today. Make sure you guys go and check all of that out. With that, though, guys, we have to say goodnight to each and every one of you on a wonderful Friday evening. For Eric Trickle, I am Lance Sanderson. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, go Broncos. Let's go, guys. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson.